Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast, the podcast dedicated to simplifying the commercial real estate industry for the masses. Each week, we sit down with industry experts to dissect the many facets of commercial real estate and extract valuable lessons you can apply to your business. Whether you're a new or seasoned business owner or investor, the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast will be your go-to resource for all your commercial real estate needs. Now, here are your hosts, Rafael Collazo and Jeff Walston. Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast. I'm your host, Rafael Collazo, here with my co-host, Jeff Walston. How's it going, my friend? Going well, man. Um, trying to get some of these projects wound up for this holiday weekend that we're coming into. So uh, that's been crazy busy, just trying to stack as much as I can in you know three or four days of this week. But you know, it's working out. Uh, other than that, everything's going well. Um, what about you, Rafael? How's it going over there? Yeah, it's going great, man. Uh, you know, obviously we got uh, the bachelor party coming up. Uh, you know, it's gonna be an exciting time. And then uh, other than that, works in well. I mean, I got a lot of leasing activity, as I mentioned in a couple of the previous episodes as well. Uh, very active on that front. Buy buy side has been kind of people are hesitant right now, given what the interest rate environment looks like. But I think that'll normalize here soon as well. But uh, other than that, everything else has been going real well. And you know, speaking of just a, a, a doing well and having a phenomenal conversation. Uh, we had the honor and privilege of interviewing Whitney Elkins Hutton, uh, Director of Investor Relations with PassiveInvesting.com. Uh, and we touched on a variety of different topics throughout the podcast. And I actually had the honor of interviewing Whitney on a good friend of ours podcast, Chad Griffiths. Uh, he runs the Industrial uh, Real Estate Investment Investing Podcast. Uh, and you know, we, we got to dive in a little bit on the self-storage front over there. But this this focus of this particular episode, uh, we touched on her backstory and the variety of different things that she's been doing ever since she she got into the investing space. So she, we start off, talk a little bit about how she got into investing in the first place, some of the early struggles he fa she faced uh, as, she, as she worked to scale her residential portfolio. She got up to, I think, 30 units before she realized that she was burning the candle at both ends and just couldn't sustain it anymore. And that's when she decided to kind of transition into the commercial route uh, she works for a company called PassiveInvesting.com, and they invest in a variety of different verticals, including multifamily, self-storage, car washes, hotels. Uh, you know, she herself is involved in a residential uh, long-term health facility. Uh, so, as well, so she has a very diverse uh, idea and understanding of all the different opportunities out there as it pertains to those different verticals. And so, we touched on some of the things that passive investors. So, if you're someone who is you know, actively working in a, in a role in your job, or you, you have a company, you're focused on a one vertical, and you don't have the time to invest in, you know, a, a, a car wash operator, a car wash business or a hotel or multifamily property, you know, being able to invest passively by handing off your, your hard earned money to other people so they can invest and make sure that the investment performs as intended is is what what is a common practice you know in these different spaces and you know as an operator that's really you know where you yourself have to vet the operator make sure they have the experience to make it make sure that you're going to be uh, prosperous in that endeavor and so she talks a little bit about some of the things you need to look out for from a passing investment standpoint to make sure you're placing your money with a reputable operator and then some of the things that they do on their front to make sure that they're able to achieve the, the the proper returns for their investors while mitigating as much risk as they can. And understanding that there is inherent risk in everything. You can't mitigate risk altogether. 
but you know, an experienced operator should be able to mitigate as much risk as they can and then minimize the chances of a negative event occurring. So I thought it was a great uh, conversation. And like I said before, I had a chance to talk to Whitney in the past and she was just a wealth of knowledge back then. And I thought it would be great to have her on the podcast now so she could share her insights there. So Jeff, did you have anything like that? Um, yeah. Um, Whitney was a wealth of knowledge, like you said. Um, and I feel like she gave a lot of value in this episode. I also wanted to say that she not only is it the knowledge that she gained, she but she gained it from experience with all the failures that she did over the years. And she goes into the episode of a couple of those things, too, as well. So uh, I'm excited for uh, everyone to listen to this podcast episode. Uh, and on another note, um, you know, this podcast is free to listen to. It's not a chargeable thing, but uh, there is a fee uh, that I like to say, and that's just a recommendation uh, to a new listener out there, someone that you think that could gain value. They don't have to be in the commercial real estate arena, um, but if they're interested in it, I think that we could uh, really give them some value and, and help them out and actually uh, put them on a better path if, if they listen to us. So, um, and all those who have actually done that, we really appreciate that your time for recommending the podcast. Um, other than that, Raphael. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I, we're definitely always very appreciative of the fact that you guys have been so supportive of us throughout the years. And, you know, if you guys have an opportunity to share this with, with this, this episode with someone who you think could gain a value, obviously it would be the biggest compliment that we could receive. You know, our mission is to spread the message so that we can simplify the commercial real estate industry for the masses. And part of that is making sure that more and more people can actually listen to our episodes and make sure that they're gaining value from it. Along with that, we always ask if you could leave us a five-star review, it would mean the world to us. I think now we're we're pushing, if not surpass 60 reviews. So it's pretty impressive to see the the reach and growth that we have achieved. And, you know, a big part of that is because of you guys. So if you guys don't mind, I know if you're driving, you know, be safe and focus on the road. But if you guys have a chance to be able to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it definitely would mean the world to us. So thank you all so much for your support. And without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into the podcast. Well, hey, Whitney, great to see you this fine afternoon. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you for uh, taking the time and come on. I know we're about to be in a holiday weekend, so thank you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we've, uh, we've got, I've got all my bags stacked up. We're ready to bolt out the door ourselves. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And for those of you guys who are listening, I actually had the honor to be able to interview uh, Whitney on one of our good friends podcasts. He's been a guest of ours as well, Chad Griffiths. So we're really excited to dive into your backstory because I know you gained, uh, you gave a lot of value on that podcast and I know you'll be able to provide us with a ton of insights as well. So uh, typically, what we like to do when we first get started with a podcast episode is we like to learn a little bit more about the person that's across the table from us. So if you don't mind kind of sharing your backstory, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, definitely. So um, I uh, am an accidental landlord where I, where I am now. I'm the director of investor education at PassiveInvesting.com. I've actually been in the private equities world for a while um, as a director of investor relations and operations at a different private equity group that worked with PassiveInvesting.com. But I'm here now full time, which I'm so excited. Um, but it wasn't always like that. I started off as a uh, accidental landlord back in 2002, bought a house with a significant other and relationship fell apart about a month later. And I had a house and all the bills that came along with owning that house. And I was very nervous. It was in my twenties and I was like, Oh man, what am I going to do? So stuffed it full of roommates, um, who didn't mind living in a construction zone, paid them in pizza and beer. And, uh, we rehabbed a house together and I sold it about 11 months later and made 
52 grand and then realized it was after I closed that I realized, man, I have not been paying for anything for the past 11 months. I've been making money. And I was like, how many more of these projects can I do? So did a couple more on my own. And then um, with my now husband, um, we're actually living in, not this, this is a screen if you guys are watching live, <laughs> but um, this is my dream. This is what I'm manifesting for our next uh, next uh, uh, house hacking project, but we're still living actually in our last house hacking project. Um, but uh, we realized after doing several of those projects, we were really good at creating equity, but very bad at creating cash flow, which is what we needed to unlock those golden handcuffs. And then we transitioned into um, buy and hold real estate, kind of slapped ourselves in the head. We're like, oh, we're doing all these rehabs. We need to hold on to a few of them. And uh, you know, we built up a portfolio of 30 single family homes that way. And then we hit a next level of achievement is that I had another job. I was burning the candle at both ends, five times in the middle, taking care of family members. We had a baby at home then. And I was like, this is unsustainable. <laughs> uh, and then I was like, man, that's when, uh, and I had just haphazardly, honestly, invested in a couple of passive real estate deals with my self-directed IRA. And that's when I was like, we need to go into multifamily. We need to get buy more units with these transactions. But then I was looking at my self-directed IRA and I'm like, I'm not doing anything to get those returns. And, um, you know, I also have the exposure to commercial real estate. And so we actually, you know, did a combo strategy, well, you know, kind of like what I do everything in life. I went and learned that stuff very actively, but also in, you know, tried to figure out as quickly as possible, how can I become passive in that investment strategy? So we you know, scaled up um, as general partners in a few deals, and then also just as quickly as we could shovel, shovel as much as we could over to our passive strategy. So that's a lot, but I love kind of like going there because I, so many listeners are on different parts of their journey. And so, you know, maybe we, you know, whichever would resonate with your investors, we can kind of touch on that, on that area. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think, I think it's important that you shared that story because, you know, it wasn't like you just all of a sudden were said, Hey, I'm going to become the biggest investor in the world. It was, you, you kind of came, became an investor out of necessity and then realized that, Oh, this can actually be something that can really change the, the tra trajectory of my life. And so, you know, I think that it, it's good insight for, for you to share because a lot of people, you know, think they see these people who are doing some, you know, pie in the sky type of investing, which, you know, it took them years to get there. Most people don't, you know, get there in, in, in a day, you know, it takes 20, 30 years to become an overnight success, as they say. So I was um, going to say exactly that <laughs> I'm about a 20 year overnight success, but honestly, I, I, I probably could have gotten there much quicker. Um, you know, think about it like 20 years ago, we didn't have YouTube. I was learning how to rehab this house with a book from Home Depot. <laughs> um, just think about what you can learn now and the skills that you can learn and how you can collapse time now. I'm so excited for my daughter, you know, growing up in this time period. I mean, just ooh, what is she going to be able to achieve? But yeah, it's like an iceberg, right? I, I talk to investors all the time and they're like, I want to be like you. You know, they see me with 6,300 multifamily units or residential units you know, over 6,000 self-storage units, you know, all these car washes. But I was like, that's the top, the teeny top of the very large iceberg that's underwater. There's a lot of mechanics that happen under, you know, over the past 20 years to really set us up for where we are today. Absolutely. So you said that you have uh, storage units and then multifamily car washes. Is there anything else that 
any other avenues that you guys are looking to go down or? Well, personally, um, so right. professionally, you know, with PassiveInvesting.com, we invest yeah. in multifamily self-storage, um, uh, car washes, hotels, and we also have a real estate debt fund. Um, personally, I've invested in all of those, um, you know, verticals, as well as um, I have a res residential assisted living building. I have a mobile home park. Um, I have Airbnbs. So <laughs> I still have some single family rentals, honestly, like, you know, I, you know, trimmed down our portfolio to some of the highest performers and they're pretty much paid off. So um, I, you know, everybody says, you know, keep them levered up, but you know, I, that's just easy cash flow for me to turn on right now. Yeah. yeah. And that debt is a double-edged sword. You know, I think yeah. a lot of people think, oh yeah, lever to the hilt, but you know, it, it, it you know, you don't know into who's swimming without their draws with, without the, when the tide comes in. Right. So it's one of those things where I think it's smart to have a little bit of, you know, fully paid off stuff. And then also have some that's a little bit more levered to kind of amplify those returns, but I, you know, to each their own, as they say. Well, I had, I got, I had to get started with leverage. I mean, that was what, mm -hmm. you know, helped propel us down our, our path. And I'm glad I did it that way. I mean, it would have been, hmm. you know, I, we would not be talking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if I had not used leverage. Mm -hmm. um, but at some point in time, you know, you know, when you, and I'm not saying we're done with our accumulation phase of our portfolio, but at some point in time, you're just like, you know, is it really that worth it to have that loan over there? Like, you know, what's my risk? What's my exposure? Um, and I, I don't have any, you know, the, the golden ticket loans anymore. You know, I moved into commercial debt a long time ago. And so, you know, some of these, you know, portfolio loans with prepayment penalties and all that, I'm like, Let's just get rid of that. <laughs> yeah, that's really nice. Uh, are we actually, when you guys going back to the passive investing and actually uh, having and leveraging that, we actually have a buddy of ours. He's He's got a good mix of that as well. He, and he spoke of it once before about how that actually, to him, just keeping that balance actually makes sense, uh, like you said. So don't feel like you're alone and <laughs> out there with, with yours just being paid off and just, reaping the benefits it's uh there's a lot of them out there i think think that way in my opinion so mm -hmm. but yeah yeah i mean it, you know especially when we're talking about passive real estate i mean that's that's something you know if listeners here are trying to evaluate you know do i go in on a passive deal like now is now the time in this type of recessionary environment and you know i know we the fed hasn't formally called a recession i don't know how we're not but mm -hmm. anyways um, I'm particularly acting like I am, uh, that we're in that type of environment, but it really hasn't changed my strategy. I mean, I'm investing on principle. The deal has to cash flow. It has to have, um, mechanics to build equity, either, um, forced equity into the deal, not just relying on appreciation. Um, I also has to have tax benefits. It has to have capital preservation, but a huge component of this, especially right now in this environment is the leverage, right? It has to have the right type of debt. You know, if you, you can get fixed rate debt and it works with a fixed rate debt, that's amazing. Um, I, I see a lot of operators these days that are using, you know, um, floating rate debt or more construction loan type debt. And you have to make sure, especially like on, you know, uh, syndicated projects, the, the debt has to be at least for the term of the hold period, maybe longer, hopefully longer. And it has to be capped um, because Otherwise, you're taking on it and, you know, with the ability to extend the debt. That would be the other caveat. 
And I, you know, I've seen a lot of deals and a lot of operators that are like, wow, we bought this property a year ago. We put, you know, floating rate debt on it. And, you know, maybe they bought a cap. Maybe they thought they weren't ever going to use it, but now they're having to suspend distributions or lower investor distributions because of that. Um, there's, a, you know, there's, you, you want to make sure that you're with a great operating team that are actually looking at all of those pieces related to the debt of the project and, you know, making good decisions, not only for the project, but for you as the investor, it's your money. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, and that's, that, that's where the experience comes into play for sure, because you're right. I mean, there's going to be situations where it's hard to really know exactly what's going to happen, but if you've had someone who has gone through the the rinse and repeat cycle multiple different times, they can start thinking about the different scenarios that could potentially go awry. And you can make probabilities about whether or not this is actually going to take place. I mean, I have a client, I've, I work a lot in the, you know, obviously I'm a commercial agent and I work with several car wash clients and, you know, the debts that they're taking on to do construction on for these new, new projects typically is floating. And then there's different things that they can finagle in order to make sure that they're hitting their metrics as far as what their projections are concerned. So, you know, the, the debt piece is also very, very important. One thing I was kind of curious about, you know, kind of going back to, you know, your decision to transition to the commercial route, because you had mentioned that you had 30 properties, you realized you were burning the candles at both ends, and it just was not a sustainable, you know, you know, long-term approach. So, Early on, as you started diving into the commercial realm, what were some of the struggles, if you had any, that you faced and, you know, maybe some of the lessons you could learn or share, compart to others? Yeah. So, you know, we had built up a residential real estate portfolio and we decided to transition to, you not, and you can do one to four units residential. You can, you can scale to 80 units with residential real estate and residential debt, like, you know, the government spot Fannie Mae type debt, which is amazing. I mean, that's a, that most people don't ever dream of doing that. Um, for us, we were transitioning into, you know, um, buildings that were five units and larger. Um, so it just changed the game. We had to source a new market, source a new realtor, source new property manager, new lenders. And so, you know, I felt like um, that I was rebuilding the company all over again. And, and there's translatable skills there, but I also didn't know what I didn't know. Like you're sitting here now talking about commercial debt and I'm like a pre what a prepayment penalty, uh, you know, uh, yield maintenance. <laughs> what are you, these are words I didn't know. I'm like, what are you talking about? Um, so it was like a, another crash course all over again. Um, and so, you know, and I think people get scared about that. Like to achieve a new level, you have to level up and it's leveling up your mindset. It's leveling up your skills. It's leveling up your network. Um, and so you can do it actively and you can do it passively. And I think a lot of people, you know, get scared to do it either way. Um, so yeah. yeah, that was like our first, our first, um, uh, uh, obstacle that we met was like redoing everything. <laughs> No, it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and I, you know, I deal it more on the brokerage end where, you know, I, I, I deal sometimes with residential agents that are representing people that are now purchasing commercial property. And I mean, it is a completely different ballgame a lot of times, depending on what the, the property is. I mean, if you're talking to five unit multifamily property, you know, the debt may be slightly different, but for the most part, the components in the building are relatively similar. But even as you start to scale, there's a lot of moving other moving parts. If there's elevators, there's lifts, there's all these different things that could potentially, you know, impact the weather, whether the investment itself turns out to be a good investment for, for someone. So you're right. I mean, it is, it is a different uh, ball game, but you know, 
the the fact that you're willing to take on the the risk of potentially being wrong, but you learn through that experience and ultimately rise up to to the new level is is yeah. definitely great. So you kind of get paid to paid to to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, some people actually do pay to learn, like, you know, yeah. the first deal doesn't exactly go according to plan. I mean, we, and, um, you know, did a JV partnership, um, on a 52 unit building in Indianapolis and whoo, um, that was like, after we solved all those initial puzzle pieces, and then we had to learn about <laughs> partnerships. And then we had to learn about, you know, um, working with a property management team that somebody else knew, um, and then relying on them to lease up the entire property, which didn't go smooth. They, um, the property man or the leasing agent was fudging the numbers during the holiday season to get a bonus. Um, and, you know, fortunately, real estate was pretty forgiving for us. And we still made a little bit of money, but certainly not what we in, had initially anticipated. But uh, I didn't have to pay $30,000 to get that sort of education. <laughs> I actually got paid a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and now, I mean, with some of the student debt out there, I mean, 120 plus is not uncommon. So, you know, if you could substitute that for learning in the real world and being able to apply a skill that you can, you know, then take to build generational wealth, I think that's a pretty good trade-off if I would have to, if I had to guess. Well, but again, it, it requires that the person have like mindset drive and doesn't have a fear to fail. Mm-hmm. Or they, and, and that's, I don't think I, 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 that last piece, the fear to fail, um, I think I try to mitigate, 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 like as much as I possibly can. And I don't want to fail. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's just like, you got to break a few eggs in order to succeed. That's something that I'm super excited, like, you know, at least for, you know, my child and the way we've like orchestrated her, her schooling is, you know, she, she's, gets to fail. We let her fail, you know, we, yeah. And she's learned, she learns so much more by doing that. Absolutely. Oh yeah. The best learning is from a failure, in my opinion. I mean, you're only going to learn is you're that that's actually going to be, excuse me, drilled into your head more efficiently than it was if you're just going through and everything's just fine. But if you fail and you, Oh, well, I'll, I'll learn from that and move on to the next one. And and gain that knowledge. Uh, I think that's great. So. Yeah. And you learn that you don't, it's not going to kill you, you know, yeah. like, you know, mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest fear for a lot of people about with anything new is the fear of the unknown. And you create all these different scenarios in your head. And then you realize after you do it, you're like, Oh, like, you know, I may have got scuffed up a little bit, but it's not going to kill me. You know, it's, you know, it's a, it is a, that you, 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 you open up so many more doors for yourself to explore mm-hmm. when you kind of allow yourself to just step out into the unknown and you went, once you realize that, you know, it's not going to kill you. Yeah. And I think it has to be an incremental process for some people. And I'm going to be like, really calling, kind of call that out and be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, I'm willing to take bets on, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. right. But, you know, yeah. 20 years ago, if I lost a thousand dollars, that probably was pretty devastating to me. Yeah. So, you know, it, you have to, you know, kind of, you know, where you are right now and what you're, you know, say like you have like a mentor or somebody that you really like love following. You can't just step into their shoes. You know, they may mm. say, burn the boats, leave your job. You know, yeah. you, you're not going to, you're not going to get anywhere if you don't risk like five, you know, $50,000 or a hundred thousand dollars, you know, but if you can, all you can afford to lose is five, that's where your tolerance is. And then, mm-hmm. you know, as you grow, your tolerance will probably get, you know, for, 
you'll learn more, you'll learn more about yourself. But yeah, um, I, I don't ever encourage, I hear people all the time, they're like, you know, when I mentor them about, you know, passive real estate or active real estate, and they're like, should I leave my job? And I'm like, well, can you afford to? And they're like, no. And I'm like, then don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a simple answer. And even if you do, I was listening to Tony Robbins and Bernie Votes, and I'm like, and he has 33 companies and counting and millions of dollars to fall back on. And even if you do, I mean, you know, I transitioned from doing, I was in the software space. I'm an engineer by trade, got in the software consulting space and saved up a good amount of money, did the house hacking, and then transitioned into commercial brokerage you better be ready for a complete lifestyle change, <laughs> especially early on in the, in the, in the, in the business. I made 13 grand my first year, like going from making well over six figures to that. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a shock. I mean, obviously I was able to do it through, you know, saving up and having a house hack. So I was able to limit my expenses, but it is not a, uh, it's not a pleasant experience to start off with. I, I, at least I can speak from the commercial brokerage side, you know, at least in that case, it was, it was definitely not, it was a wake up call for sure. So oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, uh, my, the company that I worked for mm, back in 2017, you know, we were still scaling a lot of our single family rentals back then. Um, they were going through an acquisition merger, which fell apart, but they had to eliminate a lot of the, um, operations team and the training and development team, which what I, that's where I was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I saw everybody above me and below me, uh, get their pink slip over the course of six months. And then, all of a sudden here, like eight weeks before the holidays, I was like, I'm going to make it through until January. No, nope, no. Nope. They called me in. Here you go. Last day of work. I'm like, oh man. I, I, at first I was like panicked. I mean, I had two properties that were supposed to close and I was like, um, crying on my way home. And my husband was like, it'll, it'll be okay. We've got some, we built our financial moat. Like I knew we were going to be fine. It was more of like, I, you know, being told that we don't need you anymore. That sucks. Um, but you know, where I'm going with this is like, by the end of the day, you know, I'm talking to my lender and he was like, no, I can't lend to you anymore. You don't have a job. And I'm like, well, my husband does (laughs) like moved all the loans to his name. Um, and then I I talked to my coach and he was like, Whitney, you've got X thousands of dollars coming in from your single family rentals. You're going to be okay. Like Mm -hmm. your burn rate is not that large. Um, if at all. And I was like, oh, Right. And if I like lower all my expenses here, you know, I have zero burn rate and I get to spend eight weeks with my family over the holiday season. I don't have to look for a job. Um, you know, and I hadn't had a holiday off in 11 years, but to your point, Raphael, I, I mean, it took a lot for us to get there. I mean, it, we mm-hmm. didn't do lavish gifts that year. We made a lot of our guests play, but it was probably one of the, um, best times of like my life, just to have like that freedom, that taste of freedom. You're like, this is what I'm, I'm not there yet. I need to go back. I need to figure out how to continue to accumulate, how to continue to scale, you know, maybe getting yeah. a job in the interim, but just having that taste of freedom. You're like, yes, this is, this is what I want. That's awesome. That's yeah. a great perspective to have really. Yeah. So I kind of actually want to go into, uh, the company you work for and and you're involved in so uh the passiveinvesting.com uh which like role do you play in there like what position do you have and and how are you uh how's that going for you yeah so i'm the director of investor um education here and so essentially a lot of people are like investor education well i actually come from and you know my background is in investor relations and so what i love doing is just talking to investors about the power of passive investing um, you know, either as maybe they have a higher and better use of their time in their job, maybe they're 
a health professional or a high tech income worker, um, you know, legal profession, um, you know, you know, they don't have time to scale a single family portfolio or even a small multifamily portfolio. I, you know, help them orient to like just going right into passive investing, or maybe they actually have all you know their portfolio and they're like me and they're like i want to fire home depot and lowe's i'm tired of dealing with them i want to fire my property manager i help them transition you kind of think through what the the goals they need to have their risk tolerance in order to transition from active real estate into passive real estate and i'm talking in terms of time not what the irs says is active and passive um so that's what my role is is really helping people you know work through their goals work work through the risk tolerance um educating them on our different verticals and just educating them on syndicated investing in general like um you know, it's a whole new language you know it's like moving from single family to multifamily you have to learn a whole new language and moving from multi you know active investment you know where you are running the investment into passive investment we we change the dictionary on people <laughs> Uh, and, and so they need to understand all these different terms because they're going to run into them when they're evaluating the offering memorandums and the private placement memorandums and stuff like that. So I help kind of simplify and demystify that whole process. Um, and, you know, as far as what we do personally is that we actually um, you know, invest in multifamily, self-storage, car wash hotel and real estate debt in the Southeast part of the United States. So I think Texas, Florida, Carolinas, Tennessee, Georgia. Um, I have to put a little asterisk on the self-storage piece because we will, we love Colorado and we also love Idaho as well. We're open to other markets, but that's been our sweet spot. Um, but we can dive down anyone in those verticals um, because they all have their different, depending on what an investor's goals are, they, there's advantages and disadvantages to some of those um, verticals. And also just, you know, some are commercial real estate and others are a business that own real estate. So, you know, there's a, there, I know that sounds very nuanced, but there is a bit nuance in between the two. Absolutely. So, you know, like you mentioned, because you guys do operate with the, the self-storage side, multifamily, you had alluded to car washes, hotels, which are more so the operating business within the commercial real estate. How, I guess, do you typically, um, you know, present opportunities to these individuals based on, is, do you usually sit down with them and kind of go over their risk tolerance and kind of explain the different assets that you guys typically target? How, I guess, what is that thought process as to what you believe would be a good fit for someone versus someone else? Well, <laughs> that's mm -hmm. funny because I'm not a financial advisor. So oh, I have sure, to sure. walk a pretty like delicate line here. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say, you know, a lot of people are just coming into our ecosystem and they're learning about passiveinvesting.com. And they maybe heard me talk about multifamily on one podcast and car washes on another. And so they're, they're, they get presented with everything. They're on our list. They get every, they get to look at all the deals. Um, you know, we on our phone calls, we might talk about at a high level, all those different deals, but tip, my typical call with an investor is I'm trying to learn what their goals are. Like, do they need cash flow, appreciation, diversification, tax benefits? Um, you know, you know, is there some other underlying, you know, goal that they have with investing passively? And once I understand that goal, I want to understand their time horizon and also the risk tolerance. Um, you know, where are they rooted in that? And then, um, then I want to understand their tax benefits, even though that could be part of their goals. I want to understand where they want to get with tax benefits. And once I kind of have those three puzzle pieces, I will um, help them, you know, by saying, you know, hey, why don't you take a look at 
car washes, because you stated that you wanted to have higher yield than your multifamily assets. You needed to diversify and you need high year one um, tax benefits. Let's take a look at this. Um, but I give them all, you know, information on all of our um, asset verticals, because what's very unique about us, opposed to other firms, is that you might come in wanting to invest in multifamily, but at some point in time, you're going to look up and go, wow, I've got a half million or 30% of my portfolio or whatever that number is invested in multifamily. I need, I'm div diversified over the market in the deal, but I need to diversify over an asset class. So, you know, you know, if within our ecosystem, you can diversify asset classes. That's not the case with a lot of, um, you know, private equity firms. You, you enter there and you're like, you might get multifamily or you might get multifamily and self-storage and that's it. Yeah, no. And I think it's pretty awesome that you guys also, you know, you invest in the verticals personally that, you know, you are working with on, with your clients. So you have that owner's experience to be able to compart to individuals because that's, that's a, a you know a, obviously I, I have a small multifamily property here locally, but I can't tell you how much of an asset that's been for me on the advising side because I could say you know I'm an owner I understand what you're thinking like the 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 logic that that goes into operating something like this so you could kind of lead off and explain how your experiences were some of the things that you guys had to overcome in order to make sure that this property performed as as intended and so. You know, I obviously commend you guys for that because it is, I mean, it's an invaluable experience that you can compart on your, uh, the investors that you ultimately work with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I want to just stack on, you know, one other thing that when investors, especially when you're investing, you know, passively, you're, pa you're, you're giving over that day-to-day -day operations, which is fantastic. You know, much mm -hmm. like what you were saying, Raphael, you need to make sure you're investing with somebody that has that day-to-day -day operational knowledge that they know what they're doing because it's. Um, that's not always the case. There are a lot of operators out there that are strictly cash in a capital raising um, capacity, and they don't have the day-to-day -day operational experience. They're, um, and you know, I'll just kind of set that down for a second because I got a little off track. Um, but the the so what does the limited partner actually control? They can control their goals, their risk tolerance. They can control what deal they go into, the markets they're invested in, but the most important thing they control is who they're invested with. And so you have our, you know, we have our three founders of, as an overarching umbrella, but even, even within our verticals, you're getting very um, diversified over operations because, you know, say for self-storage, we have two managing partners over self-storage. We have one managing partner over real estate debt. We have another managing partner over car washes. And so you really can achieve that pure diversification and how our, our um, organization set up, um, which is the operator of the market and the deal. Awesome. And then I yeah. guess you kind of did a great job of explaining some of the things that passive investors need to consider as they are vetting sponsors, which, you know, as you guys are being able to put pool money together to invest in these opportunities, anything else in particular that you think that passive investors should ask a potential operator or sponsor about, you know, what different opportunities? Yeah. So uh, there are a ton of questions. And so, mm -hmm. I, you know, I'll go over a few here, but just, you know, if I may, uh, I have, if you guys go to passiveinvestingwithwhitney.com, you know, fill out a quick form there. I have an ebook and I, I laid it all out in that ebook of like the questions you should be asking the operator. Well, actually back it up about your goals, 
about your risk tolerance, you know, help you put together this plan, what you should be asking operators, how you should be underwriting markets and um, high level underwriting and deals. But, you know, just to kind of tease people, you know, uh, you know, for the operator um, standpoint, you know, you want to know, love and trust them. You know, who are they? Um, what are they doing? Do you trust them? You know, that your gut will tell you a lot about that on that conversation. Um, what is their track record? What is their business background and experience? Um, for me, I have a Rolodex of operators. I don't need to invest with a new operator that's just starting out. Um, but people have to start everywhere. They, you know, and if it's a new operator that's starting out, who on their team has the experience? Do they have a strategic partner? Do they have a coach and a mentor that is investing alongside them? Who is the key partner in that deal helping them secure the lending? You know, you know, if they if the if they don't have the experience, how are they getting it and how are they assuring that you um, are going to be um, well taken care of on that front? Um, are they doing this full time? Are they doing this part-time? For me, I it's taken me a lot of time and energy to earn my dollars. And I want somebody watching over that like a hawk. <laughs> so um, I, you know, I I'm not I'm not looking for part-time operators. You know, uh, we talk a lot about if they're co-investing in their deals. Um, I want to see heavy co-investment and not just they're putting in just maybe the acquisition fee, but you know, they're heavy co-investment in the deals. Um, you know, it, it creates alignment. Uh, you know, if somebody's super shady, they're going to get their money out some way, somehow. But, you know, if it's a hefty co-investment, you're going to have a lot more visibility on what happens, you know, should the deal go sideways or south. Um, you know, what are their exits have been? How is that compared to the portfolio or their performance that they put out? Um, you know, I always like asking questions is like, what is the worst thing that's happened to you? And how did you overcome it? I'm not looking for perfection. I'm looking, I actually want to hear somebody tell me, yeah, COVID was rough for us. And this is what we learned. And this is how we adjusted. Or yeah, we had this, you know, we bought a property and it had gout. We didn't, we thought we, um, the galvanized piping would be an easy slam dunk to handle, but it wasn't. X number of apartments flooded, and this is how we handled it and dealt with the tenants. And this is how we changed our underwriting process going forward. I want to hear those types of stories. I want to I want to see somebody with some battle scars on them, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, oh, absolutely. No. Yeah, and I think I think it kind of goes to show the um, you know, you 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 really learn who someone is through the tough times, right? It's it's easy to kind of maintain a facade when things are going great, but when things hit south that's really where the character shows and so i think that's a great question to ask and that you know when when things are at its worst how did you respond you know did you have a plan of attack did you falter through that that experience and then now you've have the lessons learned that you can reapply towards your business so that doesn't happen in the future mm -hmm. uh, because again mistakes are okay if they're made once you know, if what do they say? It's like the definition of insanity is if you do the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. Mm -hmm. So I think there needs to be accountability in that, you know, you've made a mistake. Now let's let's apply it to our systems going forward so it doesn't happen again. Exactly. Um, well, yeah. and and I think um to stack on top of that is you want to, you know, mistakes happen and are they talking, you know, because it's a partnership. I think this is what, you know, limited partners don't understand. You know, they sometimes go in these investments and they just want to understand, 
what are my returns? When am I getting my money? And that's it. They think of it as a transaction, but it's a partnership. So you guys are making money together and or potentially losing money together. But like if you're underwriting property, you, you're putting stacking the cards in the favor of making money together. Now, um, you want to understand that you are being treated as a partner. That's where I would try to assess that on these calls. And so in that, you need to have strong communication. What is the monthly communication? How is crisis communication handling? being handled? What are the financials that you're um, going to have visibility on? Is it going to be on a quarterly basis, by annual basis, annual basis, you know, so those type of things. Um, I don't, if I hear about a storm in Texas, I've invested in 13 properties in, the, in Texas. I don't want to have to email the operator. That operator should be emailing me and telling me, hey, this is what's happened. This is where we're at. This is what we are currently doing. Um, and, and, and hopefully starting off with like the, everybody that lives at the property is okay. Right. Cause they're that, that tenant is our client. Um, and then, you know, the property is okay. Or it's, if it's not, this is what we're doing. Um, so those are the type of things I want to see that type of communication. I don't want to have to like pull for it. I want it just to, to happen. Absolutely. I think that is really good key. Um, I wanted to just from going over your questions and stuff and what really stood out with me is uh, the risk tolerance for anything. And that includes finding the actual partner that you, you know, want to be in business with is how much experience are you willing to not have in that partner and everything else. So uh, that's one of the things that really stood out to me is just how much is risk do you really want to take? And then that begins uh, a picking the right operator. So in my opinion, definitely, yeah. I find that limited partners are often unaligned on that. Um, they, cause I, I think if, especially if you're coming from this, you know, stocks, bonds and mutual fund world, you don't really understand. We've kind of almost be, been desensitized. I don't think any investor in that space, you know, just retail investor really truly understands how much risk they're taking by investing in the stock market. Um, I know I didn't. And when I finally like left, you know, majority, I have two shares of Berkshire Hathaway. That's all I have in the stock market. And when I finally left, I was like, oh my gosh, like that was the riskiest thing I could have ever done. Um, but, um, you know, I think, you know, asking that question of yourself, because I think when people start getting into evaluating alternative investments, they want to see this really high yield and they want to have mm -hmm. zero risk. And those that's not correlated together <laughs> ever that I've ever yeah. seen. Usually if you have a higher um, yield on the asset, you're probably taking more risk. Now, how is that risk being mitigated, right? There are a lot of ways to mitigate the risk, but you can't completely eliminate the risk in any investment. Absolutely. No, and I, that's an important concept for people to understand is that risk in and of itself typically is correlated in some capacity to yield. So if the, the higher the yield, there are a lot more moving parts that could potentially go wrong that could affect the investment. But that's where people like you and the operators come into play to help mitigate those risks so you can keep the 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 trajectory on a narrow path towards success. And so I think it is a, a great insight to share. Absolutely. Yeah. So Whitney, uh Thank you for coming on the podcast uh, as we start rounding out here. Uh, I mean, we really appreciate all of that. I know I benefit from it. So I know all the listeners will be benefit from it. Uh, and you gave a lot of value. 
so one of the questions that we typically ask is, uh, what is one of the most impactful books that you've ever read? Uh, and it doesn't have to be investing or commercial real estate. It could be any type of genre um, that's actually helped you maybe in your career or propelled you just in your personal life. Or is there a particular book that stands out for you? Yeah, I um, well, I'll, I'll kind of give you my um, little short um, uh, journey on this. So I started off reading um, Tony uh, Robbins' Money Master the Game, which is like a 600 page tome. Um, but that's really where I started going, wow, I'm in control of nothing and I'm gambling in the stock market. Um, I really started going in eyes wide open and I was still working in my corporate job at the time. And I just annoyed our benefits manager to no end and our fiduciary over our retirement plan. Um, so I think that's it. You know, if somebody's really in, heavily invested in the stock market, I think whenever you read something like that, or he has a follow-up book, that's a little bit more digestible called unbreakable. Start there, really understand how much risk you're actually taking by just ha having the exposure to the stock market, because I don't think you'll sleep well at night after that. And then for me after that, um, you know, just totally devoured um, a ton of real estate books. Um, I personally loved Cashflow Quadrant by uh, Robert Kiyosaki, because I really understood, started to understand how does money work and how does value creation work? And we're, you know, uh, the beauty of real estate is that you don't have to go to college to get involved. You don't have to have a degree at all. You just have to have, you know, the mindset, the skills and the network and the, the get up and go and ability to execute in order to, to benefit greatly from this. Um, yeah. And then um, on the execution front, um, prioritization front, one of my other favorite books is The One Thing by Gary Keller, um, because, you know, it's hard, life is hard. <laughs> <laughs> especially you, you start adding more moving parts like a marriage or um, job relocation or a family or if you're later in life and you're having to take um, you know take care of additional family members like I was um, you have to like start you know have a system not only to execute but prioritize on what is truly important to you and I think I, I think a lot of people if you looked at their calendars and you, your calendar tells you your priorities. And I think if they took a step back, they would like look at the calendars and be like, oh, that's not really what I care about at all. But, you know, you have to take charge of your time. And, and, and for, I know for me, I didn't learn how to do that in school. So that book was very helpful. Yeah, no, the Absolutely. one thing, the one thing is one that continues to be recommended and for obvious reasons. I mean, it's a game changing book. And I think Part of the reason is because there's there's so much shiny object syndrome out there where everything looks like the next greatest thing, but you realize that you know you really don't achieve any type of semblance of significant success without narrowing your focus and being deliberate about something for a long period of time. I mean, mm -hmm. all the people who have built sizable portfolios, very significant businesses, they did it one thing for many, many years in a particular direction that ultimately added up to massive results over time. And you know, if you apply that logic to really anything you do, I, I believe that there's uh, positivity that's going to come from, come from it. So, absolutely, yeah. I started off multifamily. That's all I had the capacity to learn about. And once I kind of felt like I, um, you know, got a great handle on that, and then I was like, okay, now we're going to do self storage. Mm -hmm. Once yeah. I got a handle on that, I'm like, okay, now we're going to do car washes. Now I, <laughs> I, you can tell you were like, well, Whitney, you said you had a residential assisted living and you had land. Yeah, I did get 
distracted, but the core parts of my portfolio that generate the wealth for us are like, you know, generally in three areas. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And they all, and they all have similarities too. I mean, there's, you know, you, you, you can use the, the lessons and skills that you've gained from one of the verticals into other verticals as well. So, you know, there's some corollaries I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I know when I work with kind of first time investors in single family real estate, they just can't initially when they get in, they just can't wrap the, wrap their head around the, what it will look like for them two and five years later. And I'm like, you're building up a skill set. And, um, I have, um, one client that I'm working with, it took her a year to buy a three unit property. It's taken her six months, six months to buy a package of like, they believe she's on 20 with it, with partnership with commercial lending. And I'm like, you're, you're collapsing time because you're able to stack these skills. So, um, that's how, that's how you have somebody that like is a 20 year overnight success. (laughs) You're accelerating um so much faster you know as as time goes on that's awesome insight really well Whitney we greatly appreciate your time I know you uh you know we've had this similar conversation before on the other podcast I'm really glad we were able to do today because I know our our audience gained a lot of value from it typically at the end of the podcast we like to ask our guests to contribute something to what we call the commercial real estate treasure chest it's a repository of resources that we make available to our audience and you know typically our guests contribute something like a helpful pdf if they have an ebook or anything else that they think would uh, be a value to our audience so I was going to give you an opportunity to share what you're willing to contribute today yeah, definitely. I have an ebook. Um, uh, you can download it at passiveinvestingwithwhitney.com. Uh, you know, that would be, you know, it goes through a lot of the questions that we covered today about, you know, setting goals, understanding your risk tolerance, you know, vetting operators, markets, and deals. Um, and I think um, there's also a, a two-page checklist for people who are like, yeah, I kind of under, I know these things at a high level. I just need to make sure I kind of like get all my ducks in a row for my next investment. Um, you know, that could be like a short, uh, a, a useful tool as well. Absolutely. I'm sure yeah. our audience will gain a lot of value from it. So. Yeah. Thanks for that. We really appreciate it. So yeah. I know, again, I gained a lot of value from this and I know, you were saying that there was all kinds of questions that you uh, you can ask, you know, people that have come in and it's going, it's going to be clients and stuff like that. So I know people are going to have a lot of questions to ask you. Is there a certain way that you want them to contact you so um, they can ask those questions and maybe get in touch with you, uh, even on social media as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, so the, uh, the, if the most direct way is go to passiveinvestingwithwhitney.com. Um, when you fill it, there's there's like all sorts of goodies there. So we've talked about the ebook, the checklist. You also get immediate access to my calendar um, on that website. Nice. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn, um, you know, Whitney Elkins Hutton. And those are probably the top two ways to get a hold of me. Awesome. Yeah, yeah we'll, thank you we'll, for that. we'll include all that information in the show notes. So if you guys are listening to this in a podcast format like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, go ahead in the description below. You'll be able to access it. And if you guys are watching this on YouTube, go ahead into the description below and you'll be able to access it as well. So Whitney, thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. For all of you guys who are out there, if you guys are listening to this in a podcast format, we would greatly appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review. We've seen a significant uptick in our downloads as a result of you guys doing so. So we would greatly appreciate it if you could drop it. Uh, you know, obviously if you're driving, don't don't uh fear off the road, but you know, if whenever you can, that'd be awesome. And then finally, if you guys are watching this on YouTube, we would greatly appreciate it if you could like and subscribe to this channel. It really helps with the YouTube algorithm and ensures more and more people can hear this message and learn about the many facets of commercial real estate. So thank you all so much for stopping by and we'll see you all next time.